The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Good morning. I'm Marshall Posey, North Campus Church Planting resident. And Lord willing, one day I aim to plant a church by the strength and grace that God provides in the northwest metro of these Twin Cities. It is my joy to be with you on this last Sunday of 2020. Let's pray. Father, I come before you fully acknowledging that 2020 has been a hard year. There's been more opportunities to weep with those who weep than I've ever experienced in my lifetime. So I pray that in our weeping, in our lament, we would see that our greatest need is your righteousness. I pray that we would come to treasure Christ. And I pray that disciples would be made and strengthened by the preaching of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been hearing a theme of people saying this phrase, I just want to get 2020 behind me. You've probably heard it. When people are saying it, I think what they're doing is is they're hoping, they're wishing that the future will be better than today. It's as if if all time passes, the distance will make the pain go away. And in it, there's two things. There's no hope, there's no certainty, and it's wishful thinking. So the question that is on my mind and heart is how do we, at the end of perhaps one of the hardest years that you and I have lived through, not waste what God has for us? How do we not waste these things that cause us to lament How do hardships, relational distance, division actually help us to see that our greatest need is different than what we think? Psalm 5 is a psalm of lament. It's a psalm of personal lament that moves through very real feelings of hardship, not being heard, relational distance, Those that we once thought were for us seem to now be against us. And wickedness seems to be rampant all over. It provides a stark and much-needed contrast to the wisdom of our day that says just let time pass and hope for the best. It gives words where many of us find ourselves today. In it we will look at justice righteousness, ourselves, and God. I want to acknowledge the pain of our day. It's real. People are hurting all around us. Perhaps some that are listening to my voice spent Christmas alone. People have real enemies that are after them. 
People are afraid of getting sick or that their loved ones might get sick and die. Many cannot come to worship because they're fearful of what might happen. And what is not needed is wishful thinking or time to pass. We need something that is certain that we can stand on that is true hope. We don't understand how it's all going to be realized, but we understand what happens at the end. Psalm 5, as Josh read at the beginning, and some of you may have picked up on, is a song. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. It has a poetic flow of lament. It was prayed for a specific purpose as led by the Spirit of God. And it has two major sections that we're going to cover that both culminate in David's praying his reason for hope in God. So for those of you taking notes, I have a simple three-step flow. Step one, a plea for God's justice. We'll see that in verses one to seven. Step two, a request for God's righteousness. We'll see that in verses eight through 11. And then step three, the reason to hope in God, which is seen in verse 12. Step one, a plea for God's justice. Verse one, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my God and my King, for to you do I pray. The psalmist is crying out, asking God to hear his prayer. Something seems unjust. The psalmist can't fix it. There's not a quick fix, and the request and the prayer is specific. It is to God. Do you pray to God? When you're struggling, when you're in seasons of lament, do you come before God? Is that where you go first? Too quick, I find myself to go to those that are of like-minded those that will affirm me where I'm at. I want to be heard, so I go to my like-minded friends. I go to those that will support me. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, self-pity, attempting to defend my position. But I don't bring my lament first before God. None of these other things are necessarily bad, but if they're keeping you from coming to God in humble, contrite prayer, they're a stumbling block. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Bethlehem, are you striving for peace and holiness? Is that the cry of your heart Bring your prayers and your requests and your laments before God. Verse 3. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. This is in the morning. If you read Psalm 4, it's a prayer in the evening. We bookend our days with prayer. Coming to God in the morning. Coming to God in the evening. The ESV uses this phrase, I prepare a sacrifice for you. What the Hebrew text actually says is, I prepare, and then it leaves the object blank. So the ESV put in, 
sacrifice. NASB adds the word prayer. NIV puts in requests. To prepare is simply to put something in order, to arrange it, and to lay it out. And that's exactly what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is coming, arranging, laying out, putting in order his prayers before God, his life before God, asking God to meet and hear his requests and prayers. I want you to hear two things. In this lament, there is active praying bringing one's request, preparing them and laying them down before God, the one who works all things for his pleasure. And then second, in humility after coming and laying one's requests and prayers before the Lord, laying oneself down with watchful eyes and watching. Watch to see how he works. There's a song and it has a simple phrase and it caught my attention. And see, there's storms going on all around. And the song has this little refrain that says, God change, which implies God change what's going on around me. I, 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 can't, I can't handle this. Or change me. God change what's going on around me. Or change me. Verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Here the psalmist using poetic language from the scriptures. The psalmist knows the scriptures. He knows who God is and he's reminding himself who God is. Verse 4, God does not delight in wickedness. Evil does not dwell in God's presence. Verse 5, the boastful shall not stand before God. God hates evildoers. Verse 6, God destroys those who speak lies. God abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Some of you may be remembering our series through the book of Habakkuk. And Psalm 5, 5 is actually what Habakkuk quoted in his second complaint to God. In Habakkuk 1.13, you see Habakkuk looks around and he sees wickedness. And it seems, seems to be all around him. And it seems to be, the wicked seem to be thriving and the righteous seem to be hurting. This complains, how can this be? And do you remember God's response? It's in Habakkuk 2, 3 and 4. It the it is judgment on the wicked will surely come. It will not delay. The righteous shall live by their faith. We call judgment on the wicked justice. And if God is just and brings about ultimate justice, he must judge those who are unjust. And this includes all sinners and all wicked people. I almost missed this in my own study. I almost missed who I was. I ran so quickly that God is going to bring justice that I forgot I'm wicked. 
How about you? I'm just going to ask you two who here has not boasted in themselves, made themselves look a little bit greater than they ought or what is true. And who here has not lied, used their lips or actions to proclaim something that is not true? These verses are designed to lay us low. We see who we are. We see justice is coming. It will be here before we know it. Verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. This is a prayer of hope in God's justice. He, through the abundance of God's steadfast love, enters the house of God. He will bow down and lay himself down towards God's holy temple in fear of God. This is the opposite of the wicked in verse 4. He is dwelling, the wicked cannot dwell. He has entered the house of God, the boastful cannot stand before God, as we saw in verse 5. He is bowing down toward the temple of God in fear of God and is not destroyed like the liars in verse 6. Those that through the abundance, the outpouring of God's steadfast love, see his perfect holiness And our response when we see God is penned by the prophet Isaiah. Woe is me, for I am lost and am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we come before a holy God, the way to come is worship. We cry out to God and say, God, by your being merciful to me, thank you. Your slowness to anger led me to repentance. You loved me first. Your amazing gift of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bringing me to repentance and faith in you. It's all that I have. Each day by your steadfast love and faithfulness, you keep me from returning to my wickedness. And even when I do sin, 1 John 2, 1 and 2 tells me, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we can say, because you have touched my lips, my guilt has been taken away, my sin has been atoned for. What starts as a cry, a cry to be heard, ends in the throne room of God, in worship. Section 2, a request for God's righteousness. Verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. There's real hardship, there's deep struggle, there's a real enemy. The psalmist feels surrounded on all sides. There's no escape. Many of you have been here. You don't know where to go. There is no path. You have no way out. 
And from here, the prayer of the psalmist is stunning. Lead me. In that, he's saying, I'm not leading you. I'm not leading myself. God, lead me. The psalmist is not fighting his own battle. He is prostrate before God, bowing down and crying out, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of what I am facing. God, lead me in what I need most, your righteousness. Our greatest need today is God's righteousness. Our greatest need in 2020 is God's righteousness. And Lord willing, our greatest need in 2021 will be God's righteousness. Righteousness is the state of doing what is required according to the standard. It's an acknowledgement of what I need most is not to be right. It's to be led in your righteousness. Simply put, oh God, I don't know what to do. This really hurts. The pain doesn't stop. Where else can I go? Where else can I go? Lead me to do what is right according to your standard on the path that you have before me. Bethlehem, is this the plea of your heart? Or do you just want to get through, have people like you? Oh, what we miss if we do not seek the Lord's righteousness. Seek his righteousness, pray for his righteousness, hope in his righteousness. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Submit yourself to God. Actively seek and plead with God for his righteousness to be given to you and acted upon in your life, specifically in times of need. Oh, how sweet the aroma of a dear saint whose lone desire before God is to be led and walk in his righteousness. Oh, the power of one person standing in righteous faith in God for a watching world. The world will look and say, I want that. As a younger man, I watched three men And I watched when the hardships, the devastating things of life would come. People would spill ill of them. And I saw that their identity was solely in Christ. People would say harsh word. They would respond in grace and kindness. And I looked and I said, I want that. I want that kind of hope. What is the righteousness that God requires? What is the main path that God wants us to go? Habakkuk 2.4 The righteous shall live by their faith. God wants us, his people, to live lives marked by faith in him.
It's all we have, and it's where our hope is. Verse 9, For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. The enemies, they're filled with lies and deceit. What comes out of them is deadly. And again, the psalmist knows the scriptures. And he knows that people are rebelling against God. The first part of verse 10 says, Make them bear their guilt. God knows that there will be justice on the guilty. There's judgment for evil. The verse continues, O God, let them fall by their own counsel. Let their own counsel lead them to failure. And why? Look at the end of verse 10. For they have rebelled against God. I mentioned at the beginning that Psalm 5 is a personal psalm of lament. But when we get to verse 11, it moves to be communal. Verse 11, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Taking refuge is an act of faith. It's trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in the promises of God is an act of faith. Oh, hurting ones, don't miss that there is a shelter. There is a refuge. A shelter is a strong fortress where one goes in for one reason only to rest. It is a place where protection is given not by the one going into it, but based on where one is at. Storms may be all around, but in the refuge, one is resting. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. Those who are in the refuge are singing. They're safe in the refuge. The refuge is protecting them like a shield. How come in seasons of lament we stop singing? I walked through a period of deep discouragement several years ago. And looking back, one of my daughters said, Dad, you didn't sing. Oh, the power of God working when we sing. Sing the Psalms. Come to God and sing. Come into the refuge. What happens when your heart knows there is a certain outcome? When we're safe, we're hopeful, we sing, we rejoice. Because we have hope. Do you know how everything will turn out? No. But you have hope because there is a certain outcome which one proclaimed who doesn't lie. And so we express our faith in him by trusting in his promises. And in that, we come into his refuge and we rejoice. We sing We exult because we have a certain hope. Section 3, the reason to hope in God, verse 12. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. 
There are those who are righteous. There is a refuge. There is a place of God's ultimate protection for the righteous. He covers them with his favor as with a shield. Enemies are all about, but the shield is his protection. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. For those who have responded by repentance and faith in Jesus, there is righteousness. For those that are trusting in him, there is hope. If you are in his hand, nothing can snatch you out. So how do we apply Psalm 5? Turn with me to Romans 3. It's the section in the New Testament where Psalm 5 is quoted. Specifically, verse 9 of Psalm 5 is quoted in Romans 3.13. We're going to start at verse 10. In your reading, you're reading the Bible and you're not quite sure how to apply it, look for how else it's quoted in the Scriptures. I think we'll see how it's quoted here, and I think it will help us as we apply it. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. How can one come to a holy God as we read in verse 7 of Psalm 5 where it says, I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. When we read in Romans 3.18 that no one fears God. The next verse makes it very clear that it's not by being good enough. It's not by perfectly obeying the law. Romans 3.20 goes on and says, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What is shocking for us is that we miss who we are in the Psalms. And Romans 3 reminds us that we're the ones who are not righteous. Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of, Christ, of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. God's righteousness in verse 8 of Psalm 5 is received by faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe in him. In your lament and you're seeing things as they ought not to be, and you're seeing your sin and you're seeing your unrighteousness, let it lead you to Jesus. Are you perhaps seeing for the first time that your life has not been righteous? In fact, often you don't meet the standard of God. 
let me plead with you to look to Jesus. Jesus whose birth we celebrated two days ago. Jesus who came, who lived his whole life before God and man perfectly. The day before he was going to shed his blood on the cross, he asked God if it would be possible that the righteous judgment of God would pass from him, but not as he willed, but as God willed. And so he went to the cross. The one who was wholly righteous became unrighteous. He took the full wrath of God upon himself. And on that cross, he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He died. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again to new life. He's ascended to heaven and he's interceding on behalf of the saints. And he is at work in your trials. He alone gives his righteousness to those who repent of their sins and trust in him. The psalmist says, But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. How can you and I stand before an infinitely holy God? It is only because of the righteousness of Christ. God's steadfast love that the psalmist spoke of is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Cry out to him, pray to him, lay your life down before him, and watch and see how he will work. The psalmist says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. We are brought to God through the righteousness of Christ. So too a person is led in righteousness by walking in Christ's righteousness. Who is your refuge? Is it wishful thinking? Is it your own good works? Is it time to pass? They will all fail you if it is not Christ. Time passing doesn't work. Wishful thinking doesn't work. It's just wishful. There is a place that leads to rejoicing. There is a place where songs of joy rise. There is a place of certain hope, and it is worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Do you see Jesus as your treasure? My prayer at the beginning, I prayed for two things. I prayed that we would treasure Christ, and I prayed that disciples would be made and strengthened. Let your hurt, let the injustice that you see, let the injustice in your own life, let your sin Let your unrighteousness move you to run to Jesus. Turn to him. Repent to him. Trust in him. Hope in him. When others mock you, hope in him. When others revile you, treasure him. In him are treasures that will never end. Come into his refuge. 
When Jesus called his, called his disciples, he said, come and follow me. And some followed. What if your hurt, what if your pain, what if each and every day the things that hurt, the pain that you experience, your own sinful flesh, led you to see that what you needed most was to treasure Christ and to be his disciple and to walk with him in his righteousness. Don't waste your lament. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste 2020. Walk by faith in him. I read a book about a man named Tom. And Tom had a desire. He wanted to do great work for the Lord. And he'd labored hard and he thought he had a a coalition of people that were in influential areas of power that could help him. And so they moved forward. And right before it was about time for the vote that would give him the money that he needed, one of the main leaders turned against him, started saying things that weren't true, His whole dream was coming crashing down what he had hoped for. And Tom's life is one that is marked by trusting in the righteousness of God and walking in the righteousness of God. So many years later, his son went off to Bible college. And he started hearing these things about what God did in the specific area where they lived. And he heard his dad's name. And then he heard the name of some of these men that his dad only ever spoke praise of. And they were the same men that made it so that his dream couldn't be a reality. Spoke things that were most likely untrue about him. He went home and he said, Dad, I heard this. Is is this true? His response was, yes. Your mom and I committed that we would never speak anything negative about anyone else because we wouldn't want you to have a bad opinion of someone. We wouldn't want to cause you to stumble. The only thing that matters, which is what Psalm 5 points out, what the psalmist knew, is the righteousness of Christ. It was the psalmist's treasure. It was Tom's treasure. Is it your treasure? Is Christ your treasure? I pray today that if Christ is not your treasure, that you would turn to him, that you would look at him, and that you would repent of your sins and trust in him. That his finished work on the cross, his shedding of his blood, was enough to atone for your sins. Exalt in him. Be happy in him. If we're going to be known for one thing as a church, Let it be that we boast in the righteousness of Christ, that our hope and our happiness comes from the righteousness of Christ in seasons of lament and in seasons of rest. Resolve in this year to live to display the glory of God as seen in the righteousness of Christ. Hope in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. He alone is our cornerstone. Let's pray. Father, I pray that when we look and see Jesus, we see the righteous one who took our unrighteousness so that those who respond 
repenting of their sins and trusting Jesus' work on the cross was sufficient. I pray that some, for the first time, would trust in Jesus. They would come to treasure Christ, that they would see that the greatest thing they can have is Christ's righteousness imputed on them. And might we make disciples. Would you bring other followers of you for the joy set before them will walk by faith, trusting that Christ's righteousness alone is all that we need. Because of his work, we praise him. I pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.